welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 5th of April 2015, entitled, Now is Christ Risen. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Reopening your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. We're going to begin, first of all, we're just going to read the first four verses here. And we're going to make our way through all 58 verses, God willing. And just looking at some of the high points of the things that we are assured of from these verses that we can rejoice in today. I invite you once again to stand to honor the reading of God's most holy and precious word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Father, we thank you again for your word. We ask your blessing upon it. Speak to our hearts as only you can for your glory alone. For in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I would call your attention down to verse 20 of this passage, which we will eventually make our way down, but it's here that I take the central thought, the title, if you would, of our thoughts this morning. Verse 20 says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. But now is Christ risen. Our thought this morning, now is Christ risen. For the believers here today that know the Lord Jesus Christ, this message today is not a new message to any one of you. If you are a true believer, you have heard this message. As a matter of fact, it is impossible to be a true believer without having heard this message. We find that apparently as Paul was writing to the church at Corinth here, he made that very clear in the fact that it was the same gospel that he had preached to them, the same gospel that they had received, but there were some of them that had heard it, but they had accepted it in vain. We'll speak about that more in a moment. But today, if you're a believer, this is a message that you know. I don't have anything new for you this morning that, uh, that you haven't heard. Today, we are here to remember and to rejoice and one of the greatest messages that the Christian has, that Jesus Christ is alive, that he rose, that the victory is in him, and that one day we will rise with him. If you're here and you are an unbeliever, if you've never genuinely taken Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you've heard this message, but maybe as some of these in our reading here today, maybe you've heard in vain. You say, preacher, how can you hear it and know it? And it be in vain. We'll speak on that in a moment. What I want us to grasp is that these verses, though they may not be new, 
whether you have heard them a hundred times or whether it's your first time ever hearing them, the message is for all of us. We cannot, it would be totally, utterly impossible for this preacher to stand here today and to overemphasize the importance of the message that we are looking at. And just because we have heard it before doesn't make it any less important and it certainly shouldn't make it any less exciting for us that know this message to be true in our hearts. I would say today to each and every one of you, it's very easy <laughs> It's so easy for us to get distracted, for our minds to wonder, for us to be thinking about something else that either happened last week or that we're facing this coming week or this or that, the other that's going on in our lives. But I implore you this morning to listen to what God has for us in his word. Because if we listen to what he has for us today, it will leave us really with one of two options in response. If you're a child of God... <laughs> then it'll leave you with a response of celebration in what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he'll do for others. If you're not a Christian, your response is to confess and to be converted to a life in Christ that's being offered to you today. This is the only message that will offer you that life. There is no other message out there. There is nothing else that can give you that life today. And so this is a message for all of us today, whether we want to be one of those that is celebrating or one of those that is being converted. You know, as we look around us, I'm sure that you would all agree that we live in very much a now society. We want everything now, right now. People just simply don't like to wait, even when they do wait. And if they can actually wait patiently, they still don't usually enjoy waiting. Well, this is a now message today. Patience is not probably the strongest point of society as we, as we look around us. People want immediate gratification, immediate results, immediate service. I can't think of anybody that's ever told me, boy, I loved being in that queue. <laughs> I just absolutely loved that traffic jam that I got caught in. And I got to wait an extra 30 minutes before I could actually make my journey home that I was, thought I was making a lot sooner. <laughs> we find that, you know, most of us, we look at things and we know there's certain things like, you know, how many of us, go out and we do all these things, we diet this way and we do these exercises, we do these things because we, we know that there's certain physical aspects, whether it's just a, a physique that looks good or a physique that's healthy. But you know, the problem is most of the time, we don't like those long diets to get there. All those hours and hours and hours and hours of exercise, we'd rather have it right now. We want it to happen now, immediately. We find that... It's the same in the financial realm. You know, so many times it's a, it's a matter of working and saving and planning and trying to, to just get those things there. But boy, we want it now. But then there again. That's why the banks, we, we talk about, you know, the financial institutions making so much money. Well, guess why? 
is because we don't want to wait on things. <laughs> and they've got all this money that they're willing to loan us so that we can have it now instead of having to wait. That's why credit cards soar. And they're making all this money because we want immediate gratification. But preacher, I need those things. Well, there might be some. You know, there have been a few times when I've needed things that some of those things came in handy, and I was glad that the, the banks were there, the credit card was there. But I have to admit, most of you are just like me. A lot of those things that you use it for is not because you really need it, but because you want something now. You find that it's the same in our social lives, building relationships. We find that... Yes, even in the relationships one with another. We find that the morals of our society have gone down the troops, down the, down the tubes. Why? Because people want immediate satisfaction, gratification, whether it be sexual or otherwise. They want it now instead of waiting and doing it God's way, the special way, the way that he wants it to be beautiful. It's just the kind of society that we live in. Well, there are things that we have to wait upon, even with the Lord. But right now, I want to offer you something today that you can have right now. If there ever was a now message in the world, this is a now message. It's something that you don't have to wait for. It's something that you can and need to respond to right now. It's something you do need to do right now. Now is Christ risen. Now he is risen. You know, all of those 4,000 years of the Old Testament from the time that, that God first made that promise of his son coming there in the Garden of Eden until he came and died on that cross and they went and buried him and he rose the third day, it was something that was still in the future. But I say to you today, now is Christ risen. He is a risen Savior. It's not something that we have to wait for. It's not something that we have to look to happen in the future. And as we quickly read through this passage today, and as we direct our attention to it, I want to give you seven things that ought to either make you rejoice in your heart and outwardly today, or it ought to make you repent and fall on your knees. Either way, you're going to be a better person for it. Either way, you're going to leave here better than when you came, not because of what I said, but because of what God will do for you right now. You see, the first thing that we're absolutely assured of, because of the fact that Christ is now risen, is the redemption of our souls. <laughs> you know, the key word here Paul starts with is this thing of the gospel. Brethren, I declare unto you what? The gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless... You have believed in vain. He said, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. I've given to you what I myself had to receive, first of all. I'm declaring to you the gospel. It's the gospel that I'm preaching to you. It's the gospel that you have received, the gospel that you have received, the gospel by which you are saved 
if you keep in memory that which I preached unless you believed in vain. There were those, obviously in that church as in most churches that had heard it, but they hadn't received it in their hearts. <laughs> That's why I said earlier, <laughs> you know, it's a message that we all need to hear. But if it's never been received in the heart, he's talking here about those that have believed in vain. It may not even be that they thought, well, that's a bunch of lies. You know, I don't want anything. No, it's just that maybe you've heard it with your ears. You may even have believed it in your mind, but it's not made it to here yet. And he goes on. He delivered what to them that he had received first, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, it is the gospel the gospel is the only thing that will make that difference in our lives. It was what had changed the Apostle Paul. It was what he preached. It was what he te- it was what this church had accepted. It's where they stood. It was all that was there. And of course, the resurrection, the fact that Christ had risen, is so important. Notice that in these next verses here, he goes to great lengths to point out all of those that had witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ. I put a little note in your bulletins this morning, if you've, if you've noticed there, just underneath the schedule of services, of where in the Bible that the appearances of Jesus Christ are recorded for you after that he arose from the grave. Paul says here, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present. But some are falling asleep. Of this 500 people, they're all people that can give account right now. We're not talking about people that can't stand up and give account for themselves. He said, most of them are still alive. A few of them have died, but most of them are still alive. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle. But I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. No matter who it was or what I did or what they did, and we all saw it, there's only one thing that mattered. That was the gospel. That's what saved me. That's the message that I have to preach. That's what saved you. When it comes right down to it, there is absolutely no other message in all the world. That's the only one that will change lives. And I say to you this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, but now, but now, Christ is risen. And as a result of that, you can be assured of the redemption of your soul today. Because Jesus Christ did die for your sins. He was nailed to that cross. If you have been here the last few services, if you haven't, I can't help it. But if you were here last Sunday evening, we looked in the judgment hall as Jesus was took there. And as Peter looked upon it from the side and he wanted to see the end of things, how this was all going to end up, how this was all going to, to finish in the end, he never even imagined all of the things that he was seeing the end of that day and then in the, the days to follow. This past Wednesday evening as we gathered, we looked at the importance of the blood. 
Oh, yes, Jesus Christ was the only sacrifice, but friend, it was his blood. It was the sacrifice of his blood. It was his blood that was put on that mercy seat. It was his blood that atoned for your sin, the shed blood of the spotless lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Today, that same lamb, that was ridiculed and took through that judgment hall, the same one that was nailed to that cross and shed his blood for you and I. He's the same one that rose from the grave on the third day. He is risen. Now is he risen today. If you're a child of God, you've got reason to celebrate because of that, because that he is risen, because that's accomplished you have a means of redemption in your soul. You see, not only can we be assured of the redemption of the soul, but secondly, because that now he is risen, you can be assured of the resurrection of the saved. Yes, it's great to be redeemed and for your sins to be forgiven. But notice what he says. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So here we go. Now, this is movie. He's, he's nailed down the fact that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. Well, how is some of you so foolishly saying that Christ rose from the dead and yet there is no resurrection for others? There is no resurrection here from the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead... Then is Christ not risen? He said, hey, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you can't believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again and not believe that there is a resurrection of the dead for others. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. In other words, look, folks, <laughs> if, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then Others are going to rise from the dead. If others aren't going to rise, then Jesus didn't rise. And if Jesus didn't rise, then it's all worthless. Our preaching is worthless. We have no message. What we're doing is absolutely worth nothing. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yay, that's not all. We are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not. If people can't raise the dead, then we're just all a bunch of hypocrites. We're all a bunch of liars. We're all a bunch of false witnesses because if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that means that there's a resurrection for others as well. For if the dead rise not, then it's not Christ raised. Don't go around talking about Christ being raised. If the dead's not going to be raised, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you're in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ or perish, those that have gone on before, it don't matter what they believed. Without a resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no resurrection of those that have gone before us. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. We are a bunch of people to be pitied if what we've got is what we have in this life alone. 
without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is all that you're left with. You see, Christ is risen. Now is Christ risen. And because of that fact, we are assured of the redemption of our souls, but we're also assured of the resurrection of the saved. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become what the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. <laughs> For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. We find that he's simply making it absolutely certain here that we understand that Jesus Christ did rise from the grave. He is risen, but that he was just the first fruits of many others that were going to follow after him. Since it was by death that sin came by Adam, Adam was that first man. It was also by man that the antidote for death came, the man Christ Jesus who rose from the dead. In Adam, all die. But in the first man, Adam, all die. In the second man, Christ, all could be made alive. All that are still in Adam are dead. But all, all that are in Christ Jesus are alive. The first Adam was made a living soul. The second Adam was made a quickening spirit, a living spirit, a life-giving spirit. You see, God's plan has an order. First, the resurrection of Christ, then the resurrection of all them that belong to him. How important is the resurrection? How important is it that Christ now is risen so important that it's because of that fact that we're assured of the redemption of our souls. There is no hope. There's no hope for you. You're still in your sins, he said, if this didn't, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you are just absolutely believing everything you believe in vain. There's no hope. You're still in your sins. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, <laughs> And there's no resurrection for anybody. When we leave this life, that's it. Nothing more. And he says, boy, we're a bunch of people to be pitied. If that's all that we have. But now is Christ risen. Not only does that assure you the redemption of our souls and the resurrection of the saved, but also notice here, that's what assures us of the reign of our sovereign. That's what assures us that Jesus Christ will sit on the throne and reign again. But now is Christ risen. Notice what he says in verse 24. Then cometh the end when he shall be delivered up of the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. When he saith all things are put under him, 
it is manifest that he is expected, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. You see, now is Christ risen. That's what gives you the assurance of the redemption of your soul, of the resurrection of the saved, and of the reign of our sovereign. You see, only after the resurrection of the dead comes the end. Only then does the end come. He says here that Christ must conquer all enemies before the delivering the kingdom to the Father. The last enemy that will be destroyed, he says, is that enemy of death himself. You see, there's at least four resurrections that we know of. <laughs> what, preacher? Yeah. The first resurrection was Jesus Christ. And you know that the Bible tells us that there were a whole lot of other graves open then uh, after he rose from the dead. The second resurrection, we know that all the dead in Christ, when Jesus Christ comes back, when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there's going to be a resurrection at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to call his church out of here. Then we know that at the end of the great years of tribulation, that seven years of tribulation here upon this earth, that all those tribulation saints that have died, that have been martyred, that have been taken, guess what? <laughs> They're going to be resurrected, the Bible says. They're only going to be dead for a short while. And then there's a fourth resurrection. You don't want to be a part of that one. <laughs> That's the resurrection of the unbelieving at the end of the millennial reign. We find that the Bible says clearly here, all things must be subdued to Christ. Everything under his submission before he delivers the kingdom to the Father, we find that the Bible is very clear. Now is Christ risen. Because of that, you can have absolute assurance of the redemption of our souls, absolute assurance of the resurrection of the saved, absolute assurance of the reign of our sovereign. There's no way that Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne and reign if he's not risen. But not only is he risen, but he's going to raise those others, and then the end will be. Then he will set up his kingdom. Then he will conquer all of the enemies that need to be conquered. Notice what else. There's something else here you can be assured of. Next verse is one that confuses a lot of people when they read it because they kind of scratch their heads. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Why are there those that are baptized for the dead if there is no resurrection of the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it be if, if the dead rise not? <laughs> Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. 
Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now is Christ risen. Friends, that's the only reason that you can be assured of the redemption of our souls, of the resurrection of the saved one day, of the reign of our sovereign Lord Jesus Christ on his throne. That's the reason Paul says here for our stand. You know, he says, what's the point? What's the point of all this other stuff that we're going through if this victory wasn't won? Why carry on from another? You see, when he talks here, I mean, again, there's a lot of people trying to figure out what else should they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not. Well, we know from other scripture that he's not talking about after somebody's dead, somebody else going and being baptized so that that person can be saved because baptism never saved anybody anyway. So that's really twisting a lot, which is what some cults do with it. But I think probably the most likely thing is that, you know, you and I are here today and we're following the Lord as the best we can. And, and, and Paul said, what's the point? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, why, why, am, why, am, I, why am I going through all this? Why, why am I letting people treat me this way? Why am I fighting with these beasts? Why do we carry on from the dead? Why are we baptized? Why do we continue in this faith when the many have died before us? You see, there are many that have gone before you and I that have been saved and, and baptized and they've gone on to be with the Lord and we're following in their footsteps and we're being baptized and we're trying to stand and go on from the Lord. He said, it's just all for nothing, but we have a reason to stand so that others will follow us if the Lord tarries. We've got a reason to stand on the truth. We've got a reason to stand and proclaim him today because now is Christ risen. That's why we stand. There's no point in it. Otherwise, <laughs> there's absolutely no point. And that's exactly what he's saying to us here. But he goes on. <laughs> now is Christ risen there's so much more could be said here, but we only have so much time. And I just want you to realize today the importance. Don't let this be just another day. Don't let anybody, any day be just another day when you think upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what he really did for you. Now, is Christ risen? That assures us of the redemption of our souls, of the resurrection of the saved, of the reign of our sovereign of the reason for our stand. But fifthly, also for the restoring of the spiritual. The restoring of the spiritual. You see, God created everything perfect. We, we've looked at much in the Genesis account lately. We know that when God finished creating everything, that was everything, it wasn't just good. When it was all finished, it was very good. There was absolutely nothing that was not good. It was perfect as God meant it. You see, sin came in, and everything we know is sin cursed. And we fight those battles and we go through so many things because of that. But now is Christ risen, and that can assure us of the restoring of the spiritual once again, the way that God created it, what God meant for it to be. 
Notice what he says in these next verses. He says, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Okay, if, if you're preaching all this resurrection stuff, how in the world does a dead person come alive again? And if they do, what body do they come up out of the grave with? Well, he didn't exactly pull any punch, thou fool. <laughs> what a foolish question. <laughs> what a foolish question. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. There is absolutely nothing that you do in this life. You don't sow anything and get fruit from it unless it dies first. That which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain, you can take anything you want to, there any, any plant that you want, whether it's a tomato plant or a, a, a stalk of corn. <laughs> can, can you imagine going out and taking that whole mature stalk of corn and trying to put that down in that hole so that one like it will come up out of it? Or that tomato plant or whatever you want. He says, no. <laughs> he said, you don't put that in the ground that you want to come out of it. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. You take that seed, <laughs> and that seed's first got to die. <laughs> you got to lay it up some morning, it's going to have to dry out. <laughs> then you're going to put it back in the ground, and life is going to come forth from that. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beast, another of fish, another of birds, you know, Birds don't have fish, and fish don't have birds, and, you know, there's different kinds of seeds, and each brings forth its own kind. There are also celestial bodies, and there are terrestrial bodies. There's things of this earth, and there's things of the heavens, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory." so also is the resurrection of the dead. You see, he says, it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That old dead body, it goes into the ground because of sin. It dies. And it goes into the ground, it's still a corruptible body. But he says, guess what? When it comes out, it's going to be raised in incorruption it won't die anymore. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. What was it? it seemed like, you know, back in John chapter 3, when that great religious man that knew all these religious things, and he was really a, a, an, an intelligent person, but he, he went to Jesus, and he was one of the priests, and he says to Jesus, how can a man be born again? <laughs> Jesus is the one that said to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's two different births, and here 
also in that there's this natural body that's going to be sown, but it's going to be raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. That's what you see standing before you. But there is a spiritual body. There's going to be a greater body one day. And I have a feeling that when my spiritual body is raised up, it won't be overweight. It won't have to worry about tablets. It won't have to worry about getting sick. It's not going to have to worry about anything. It's going to be perfect. My God made it. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. <laughs> Adam was created from the dust of the earth, as a matter of fact. But Adam sinned. And Adam is representative of that natural man, of that earthy man that will have to die. But the second man, Jesus, is spiritual. <laughs> and he is representative of what we're going to be raised like. And that spiritual like the image that God first created us in his image. Sin made us an earthly image. And that earthly image is going to die and go in the grave one day, but he says it's going to be raised up and it's going to be spiritual again, that spiritual body that has no sin. As we have borne the image of the earthy, <laughs> we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. <laughs> that was what it was meant to be to start with. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. The resurrection. We're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now is Christ risen. And as a result of that, and only as a result of that, you can be assured of the redemption of our souls. That's pretty important, isn't it? of the resurrection of the saved, that it's not just this life, but if Jesus raised, then the saved will be raised again. Of the reign of our sovereign, that Jesus Christ will sit upon that throne. He is alive and well and everything, and the last enemy that he puts down will be death. It's the reason for our stand. <laughs> if there's not something beyond all this, we have no reason to go on. It's the restoring of the spiritual. It's only because that... <laughs> the resurrection, that we can have assurance that there's hope that there's going to be more than this old earthy, natural body. We're going to be restored to that image of the heavenly that God meant for us to be in the first place. Oh, yes. You have assurance of all that, but I want to tell you something else. You're going to have assurance of the return of our Savior because of the resurrection. What does he go on in verse 15? Behold, I show you a mystery. I'm going to show you something. You know, I'm going to unveil something here that hasn't been seen. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, there's a few of us that are going to be blessed to miss the graveyard. We're not going to have to go via the cemetery. But whether we do or not, we will all, he says, be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trump, where the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah, praise God. Now is Christ risen. That's our hope. That's why Christ is coming again. If he didn't come out of that tomb, we got nothing to look forward to, but he is coming back. And we're either gonna be in that cemetery <laughs> and be assured of being brought up. I've often said, you know, the dead in Christ shall rise first. They got six feet further to go. They got to get a head start on us. But we will all meet together in the air, praise God, and we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, he says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, today, Christians, you got something to celebrate, something to rejoice. We don't think on it enough. We don't praise him enough. We don't thank him enough. And here, unless you believed in vain. I know there's nobody here this morning that hasn't heard the message of Jesus dying and being buried and raised again, that that's your only hope for the redemption of your soul. That's all. That's the only hope we have. That's the only message that'll change lives. It's the only message that'll change your life. Now is Christ risen and that's what gives us the assurance we need for the redemption of our souls, the resurrection of the saved, the reign of our sovereign, the reason for our stand, the restoring of the spiritual, and the return of our Savior. You know, finally, in verse 58, therefore, <laughs> if this is true, if this is the case, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How do we know that? Only because he's risen. You see, finally, the rationale of our service. Why? Why do we serve God? We saw that the reason for our stand was because Jesus rose from the grave. But you know, we don't want to just be standing by sitting. <laughs> we don't want to be standing by sitting on the sidelines. The Bible said here is we need to be busy doing. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as you know, your labor is not in vain. This is why, this is the rationale, this is the reason, this is the motivation for serving God because it's not in vain because Christ did rise from the, gra the grave. He is alive. He's there today for you and for me. You see, 
It's Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> now, 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 you don't have to wait for it. Now is Christ risen. That's what gives you all these assurances. Folks, that's not all. That's just what he gives us in this one chapter here. And that's really trying to summarize a lot of things that he gives us there. Man, you're here a child of God today, right now. If that doesn't give you cause to celebrate, then I'm not sure whatever will. <laughs> if you really genuinely grasp what he's done for us, what he says that Christ has done for us when he rose from that grave, and if you're an unbeliever right now, well, if that doesn't give you reason to confess your sins and to be converted, then I'm not sure what hope you have because it's all in Jesus Christ. We celebrate today the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ because now is Christ risen and I guess my final question for you today, which is that is a truth that our faith is based upon. And if you take it away, you have nothing else left. You have nothing else left. If Jesus Christ didn't die on that cross, if he didn't shed his blood to pay for your sins, if when they stuck him in that grave, he didn't rise three days later and alive today on high, now I'm saying to you, you got no hope anyway. But if he did, lost person, why? why? Why would you not take that message to heart? Why? Why would you want to go through life without that assurance? Because I can assure you the other side of the coin is not one that you want to face. Christian, today, you stop, really? I mean, we, we get so used to going to church, so used to singing the songs, so used to hearing this passage. How many times have you heard 1 Corinthians chapter 15 read? How many times? And yet i got to tell you, I, I, I told you last week that there were some things that Ought to make a Baptist shout like a Pentecostal. <laughs> I about did that in my study, just reading through these things again, thinking, you know, wow, this is what the resurrection is all about. This is what Christ gave to us. This is why that we keep going on. This is the hope that we have. This is what makes it all worth it. And I say to you this morning, let's celebrate the risen Savior. And if you're here and if you don't know that Savior, let us take the Word of God. Let us show you today. Not, don't be one of those that, that Paul started with the church in Corinth that had first, first heard this message, even believed it, but they believed it in vain. Don't be one of those. Make sure you've taken the message to heart. That's not something you want to mess around with. It's not something you want to risk with. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, thank you that we could just be reminded. Lord, I, I know there's nothing about this that's probably new to anybody here listening today. But Lord, as we're reminded on this Resurrection Sunday, as we're reminded of what it means that Christ now, 
is risen. Father, I pray that you'd help us. I do pray today that you'd help us as Christians, that, Father, help us in our hearts to rejoice and celebrate our risen Savior. And, Lord, I pray that if there be one under the sound of our voice today or any time in the future that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, maybe they've heard the message, but they've never truly taken it to heart. Oh, help them, Lord. Convict them, Lord. Show them their need, Lord. Help them to recognize this is their only hope. Without a risen Savior, they have no hope. Their hope today is in Jesus Christ, not only what he finished for them on Calvary, but that right now, here today, he's the one that's at the right hand of the Father. He's the one that's there to intercede. He is the only one that can give them access to the Father. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 